Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 259. We're in the new year. We're on a roll. We've got some fantastic guests, and we've got a fantastic guest this week as well. Um, we've got Rachel Cherry. Um, she works for Disney. She's been a leading member of WP Campus, a great member of the WordPress community, and um, we thought we would have her on the show, and we'll have a bit of a discussion. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, Rachel, um, to the audience a little bit? Hi, good morning. So I am a senior software engineer at the Walt Disney Company. I've been there, uh, April will be two years, which is kind of insane. I, I moved out here to Los Angeles from Alabama, where I was born and raised. I went to school at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Uh, then I got my start in higher education and worked at several universities and uh, Mississippi University for Women being one, uh, Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama, and then I made my way back to Tuscaloosa and worked about five years or so at the University of Alabama. And then that was when I came to Disney. So um, I spent about 10, 11 years in higher ed before Disney, um, mostly web development, a little web design, things like that. Um, I actually was a graphic designer for a little bit. Uh, that's wh what I have my degree in. So I've been around a little bit, but I've really enjoyed all of my experience and my, and my time with higher ed, which led to WP Campus. So I am the director and founder of WP Campus, which is a community for people that use WordPress in higher education. And so we, uh, we are an ongoing online and fairly active community, mostly, mostly in Slack which is really great, a lot of fun. And then we have uh, two conferences every year. We have our virtual conference coming up at the end of this month on January the 30th, which is really great. It's free all day from 9 a.m. Central to 5 p.m. Central. And then we have an in-person conference in the summer, which we should be announcing the dates for soon. So we're really excited about that. And, um, and that one uh, has been going on. Those conferences have now been going on for a couple of years. They're a lot of fun. We also have a podcast and a bunch of other resources. It's a great group to be a part of. Oh, that's great, um, Rachel. Um, and I've got my co-host, Kim Shivler. Would you like to introduce yourself, Kim? Absolutely. I'm Kim Shivler. I'm an instructional design consultant and communication strategist. And uh, filling in here as the co-host with Jonathan Denwood. Oh, definitely. Um, and I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance support. Um, company with an emphasis on membership and learning management systems. But before we go into the rest of the interview, I've got to quickly talk about the sponsor of the show, and that's um, Kinster Hosting. Now, Kinster, we've moved the WP Tonic website about three months ago. It went flawlessly. Um, absolutely been delighted with the support and with the quality of the hosting in general. They're a sponsor of our um, Wednesday interview shows and um, I can't highly rate them anymore really. So um, if you're looking for a great specialised WordPress hosting um, company um, or for your clients, go to the WP Tonic um, site. Um, in the show notes there will be a link 
Um, here's a affiliate link I like to point out, but if you utilize it, you'll be supporting the show as well. And there's a, there's also some banners on all the key pages that will take you to Kinsta. And um, I suggest you should use them because they're great. So we're going to go back into our interview with Rachel. So, Rachel, um, so in education, you've got a very diverse... Um, platform of different technologies that have been utilised by community colleges, universities and other forms of educational institutions. Um, Very strong um, kind of um, enclosed platforms and then you've got open source as well. How do you think in general WordPress is doing as being seen as um, as a platform that are institution can utilize as their essential uh, web web webs web platform basically it does very well um i think open source as a whole just really fits in well with higher ed because of kind of their underlying kind of principles of like open education and um open like um publishing of information and such like that so uh, in my experience, most universities um, use usually use some kind of open source platform. Some are closed off, but are proprietary. And uh, and they also the ones that do use open source will usually use more than one. And be, kind of because of that nature, because they want everyone to um, be able to use kind of whatever they're comfortable with. And and although there's a limit because they still have to support it in the end. So it's usually one or two Um, WordPress being very popular. um, Drupal also being very popular. I've seen experience with, you know, Joomla, things like that. Um, So uh, it's a kind of, it's kind of open-ended in that way. Uh, But WordPress is probably the most popular. And because what usually happens in higher ed, especially in larger universities uh, is that you have, um, very scattered uh, content creators. You'll have a few web professionals who set up the platforms and educate and train people on campus on how to manage, you know, their website. But then there's not enough really, there's not enough web professionals on campus to do everything. And so they kind of have to hand it off to content creators who are usually, um, you know, like a professor or um, an administrative assistant or um, an office manager and a department, things like that. And so, uh, it's a it's a really interesting, almost kind of um, you could say case study for uh, how WordPress is used and how content management systems are helpful, and also to how to make sure you're doing it right. Um, a lot of in higher ed, a lot of the concerns generally revolve around um, fresh content and accessible content, and so accessible being more important. And from a legal standpoint, uh, in higher education, if you receive federal funding, you are required by law to be accessible. Mm -hmm. And so that can be tricky in an open source content management system where you have um, uh, large amounts of content creators and uh, how do you control the content and make sure it's accessible. And that's where other tools come in handy. But that's definitely a main concern. And then freshness. of content, a lot of problems that we would have is where people would copy and paste content, move it around. Uh, then in the original source, it would get updated, but it wouldn't get updated everywhere else. Um, this is where I was really excited about like the REST API coming, you know, coming into WordPress because this would start to help with that problem because you could put information that you want to be widely available 
in an API feed, and then people could just pull from that. Um, I, I'm not sure how many people are really taking advantage of that, but that, from my point of view, was what I was really excited about for it. Um, also, in higher ed, you have a lot of um, you have a lot of different, I guess you could call viewpoints for the web. So you have your websites, um, and but you also have machinery, you have kiosks, you have things like that. You have um, people walking around. Uh, with devices on taking tours and things like that, you have a lot of outlets for your information, and so um, that's where the API can come can really come in handy for making sure your information is spread around to where you need it. So that's really cool. There's lots of really like interesting use cases for various like WordPress functionality in higher ed, and the fact that like anyone you know on campus can can come in and easily extend it or customize it. Uh, without having to go through a proprietary system is really helpful and kind of what makes a difference. Yeah, I think that's great, Rachel, because um, <clears throat> I think you think that the REST API probably has made a big difference because I think it was one of the strongest arguments against WordPress compared to Drupal, where you, because um, like in the University of Reno, uh, I know that um, for a number of years that's been a Drupal shop. Um, almost all the websites, apart from um, not exclusively, but almost all the websites in the university arena are, are driven by Drupal. Um, and I think that was one of the big um, arguments for it compared to WordPress it, um, in a lot in the, um, the scenario of need, basically. So I think that's good news. But um, you were saying about accessibility and about, you know, the problems when you got, you know, in an educational environment about keeping it accessible you know are what are you you hinted there's some tools and methodologies to help with that you'd like to go into a little bit more detail about that so there are um there are a very a, a fair amount of tools you can use to scan for accessibility and so a lot of schools are doing some really cool work with um wide scale scanning there are some proprietary tools that you can buy um, that will take care of it. Um, I will say when I was at the University of Alabama, we had a great tool called Site Improve that we used, um, but that wasn't, you know, it, it was pricey. It was worth it, but it was pricey. If you don't have the budget, um, there are tools you can implement yourself. Um, I will, I will kind of give a nod to Washington State University. They, uh, Jeremy Felt built some really cool tools and it's all on their GitHub that you can go and look at it, uh, which is great. He did a talk on it at WP Campus last year, and there's a video on our website where you can watch him talk about the tools. So I would check that out. Um, and then North Carolina State University is doing some cool work with uh, Brian. Brian talked about it at WordCamp US in Nashville, how they're building out these tools for a wide scale testing. And so um, basically it's just a way to scan the site and then get the data. And so um, th there's only, you know, there's the first step is obviously education. You have to educate all the people on campus, but then you can implement, you know, your themes and stuff in a way that really helps guide them along. But in the end, there's always going to be those outliers of things that you have to scan. Um, in higher ed, they really love things like PDFs. And, yeah, they, they love their PDFs, don't they, Rachel? And um, that was a struggle when I was my Alabama was trying to rein in the PDFs and, you know, and, and what happens, you know, in our scenario, in our case, what happened was first they went so long without a web person that 
uh, th their solution to putting stuff on the web and not knowing HTML was putting it in a PDF and then putting it online. And so uh, that was um, definitely an issue. PDFs are really hard to be accessible. And so uh, the, the solution there was, you know, obviously having resources. They had to have a person to fix that problem. If they had a person to begin with. Uh, so there are various, there are lots of issues like that in um, higher education and stuff like that. But uh, you can, those tools are really cool. And, the, and both NC State and uh, Washington State open source their um, code. So you can go and check it out. I think Brian even put the NC State plugin in the .org repo or he was going to. Um, but if you want more information about that, you can contact me and I can point you in the right direction. Uh, oh, sounds great. Because in general, um, if you're interested in um, utilising um, WordPress in your education establishment, on that, um, that's a great resource in general, WP Campus, isn't it? Because you've got a lot of materials on there focused on that particular area, haven't you? Yeah, we had... Um we record all of our sessions and put them on our website, so you can go watch them at any time. They're also on YouTube. Uh, we're, we have a blog. Uh, we're starting a resources document. We have a really great accessibility document that is long and has tons of information, how to get started, some resources, some articles, references, and then a whole, like, probably three-page long list of tools that you can use to help you scan for accessibility and help you learn. And what's great about most of the tools is that um, they'll t when they tell you what's wrong, they'll usually tell you why and how to fix it. And so it's also just a great like learning experience too, because um, you're not just expected to know and then, you know, you're, but they're helping you along the way. And then the more you do it, the more comfortable you become, the more you learn. And then it's just this really great um, cycle. And uh, it really makes a difference on the internet. I'm a big, big fan. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rachel. Also, you've got your, you, once a year, you do a virtual um, meetup, uh, w, uh, more than a meetup, a WordPress. Um, and you do um, a physical um, conference as well. So uh, the words I was looking for, a virtual conference and a physical conference. So uh, you were saying that the, um, the virtual conference is the end of this month, isn't it? Yeah, it's on January the 30th, which is a Tuesday. It goes all day from, we start at 9 a.m. Central, which is 7 a.m. my time. It's going to be an early morning. And then uh, we go until 5 p.m. Central. And so it's, we have two tracks. And so it's 16 sessions and it's all virtual. It's all free. You can watch from your computer all day. Um, and there's two rooms you can join, things like that. Each room has a chat. You can ask questions for the speakers. And then we usually just encourage people to continue conversation in our Slack account. But um, it's a lot of fun. This is our second time. And it's just a really great event. It's, we started it and we plan it because um, accessibility reasons, as, as far as like people having access to the content. We know that, we know that travel um, budgets can be tight, especially in higher education. Time can be hard to get away. And so we do, we treasure our in-person conference, but we want people to be able to still consume the content and to share to speak. So, I mean, uh, we know that not all speakers can come to the in-person. So the online is a chance um, to participate without having to spend money and time on travel. So that's why we, that's why we started it and why we love it so much. 
and we have links in the show notes um, to the to the virtual conference page, um, folks. So the physical conference, when when have you got a date um, fixed for that yet? We're uh, for- finalizing that now, so we hope. My kind of hope is to announce it at the online conference, mm-hmm. but if not, like really shortly after. Uh, we we have a date and a location in mind, so we're just kind of tying down all the details before we can announce, but um, we're really excited about it. So you've been doing it for a couple of years and you've been quite involved in that. Is that correct, Rachel? Yeah, uh, we started in fall of 2015 and then we had our first conference, the in-person conference in the summer of 2016 in Florida. And so that was, you know, that was a quick turnaround, a lot of fun. We had a great time in Florida. And then we started the online conference in January of last year. So then we had uh, our in-person this past year in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. We moved around. Uh, be moving, have you <laughs> we do. Our goal is to have it. We have the event on a, on an actual college campus and then to move around each year. So that way we can be also to kind of increase accessibility. So people, we can get a little closer and move around. So um, if it all works out this year where we want to be, we will move west a little bit. So we're excited about that. Oh, and, uh, oh I'm intrigued. I might be able to come myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so what you, um, what have you learned about running two physical uh, WordPress conferences? Then? <laughs> any any key things you've learned? <laughs> oh, man, there's, there's probably a lot that if I thought about it for a minute, could lay that out. It's I will say it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. And... I do have a full-time job at Disney, so it's all my spare time. And, and so, but I, I, I love it. I'm very passionate about it, which helps. Um, and I do have a lot of help. It's not just me. Uh, we do, a lot of people in the community are really involved in help planning. And so that's, that's really what makes the difference. I mean, it, I couldn't do it by myself. And so um, it's, a, it's also just, it's a really great kind of um, bonding experience with everyone involved because everyone's excited about it. And, and so um, it's also a challenge to plan a conference in a city you don't live in. And especially when you live in California and the conference is in New York or in Florida. So that brings a whole other challenge, but we have people on the ground that are passionate and that are helpful. And, you know, and I make a lot of early uh, Pacific time phone calls for people that are Eastern time and things like that. Uh, you just have to have um, a lot of go get them attitude and um, a lot of passion for it and everything else will, will just kind of come if you put in the time. Uh, but it is a lot of fun and um, it allows me to meet a lot of great people and to learn a lot about what's going on and to just interact with some great folks. And there's just, we have a lot of really great members in our group that are really helpful in Slack. If you're thinking about joining the Slack, it's really, really great. There's always some conversation going on and it's not too overwhelming. It's not like it's nonstop chatter, but we have channels for everything. And um, anytime someone comes in in there and asks a question, they usually get an answer within, you know, a few hours, which is really cool to watch. Um, When we, when we want to put together a resource, like when we wanted to assemble accessibility information, I literally opened a Google doc and within probably like an hour or two, we had like four pages of information that people in the community just jumped in the dock and added it. And so watching that is just, it makes it all kind of worth it. And it just really makes it special and special to be a part of. And to know you're, you're helping um, higher education in a way. 
That's great, Rachel. We're going to go for our break, and then my co-host is going to take the lead, Kim. So we're going to go for our break, folks, and um, continue this really great discussion with Rachel. Back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a great discussion, Rachel Cherry, um, all about WordPress and education and WP Campus. I'm going to hand it over now to, to my great co-host, Kim. Off you go, Kim. Thank you, Jonathan. Rachel, last time we spoke, I looked it up. It was uh, March of 2016, and we were talking about using WordPress as a LMS, a learning management system on campuses. And at the time when we talked, a lot of people were using WordPress, but more as just a publishing platform. They hadn't quite taken the, the launch into truly using it more in the learning management. They were still using more of the kind of traditional learning management systems that have been around education for a long time. Have you seen a change there uh, in that last year and a half? Excuse me. Um, I will say that, you know, I'm, I have seen a growth. I, I, I can't really say how much, but uh, we have we have more and more discussions about it in our Slack. Uh, we have we usually have a fair amount of submissions to talk about it at our events, which is great to see. Uh, you're 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 right. The majority of WordPress usage is for just general marketing purposes. Um, also, people use it a lot for research, which is great. Use it to display and gather research data. Um, when I was at my last school, I built like a whole system for it. And so that's another great use for it. And so then you do have um, the WordPress in the classroom um, type scenarios, whether or not they're straight up using an LMS or they're just using uh, a general WordPress platform to help them with class information, things like that. And so there are a lot, there are um, a lot of proprietary LMS systems, but there are, um, a couple of really great LMS WordPress environments, um, which are really great to see. And I, and I do think people are taking advantage of them. Uh, I'm not a teacher. I can't talk too, too much about LMSs and how they're used. But um, I do think as the, as the technology grows for them, as the plugins get better and better and as the environment, you know, that stuff. And I see them and I see that. I think they are becoming more and more used um, because people do see the benefit of a, it's much cheaper, but B, they own their content and things like that. And they have more, probably have more control over what they can do versus proprietary systems that are given to them at the university. Absolutely. And one of the things I have heard about that, because I am, I'm a teacher and I work with LMSs and all. Um, one of the things I've heard, and this isn't just, this is an education as a whole, not just higher, because I've been actually working with some people who are, are more secondary and, and high school, middle school type education, is the issue of 
getting support from the IT departments that have already adopted these other things, you know, these other proprietary systems, whether it's Captivate or whatever, and then they're looking at it and saying, no, we could do it with this. We can do it cheaper. We can have more exactly like you said, customization, whatever we want. But the challenge for them then is that a lot of times they're not allowed to just set up a server and manage it because of, you know, security and firewalls and all. And it's getting buy-in from the IT department. So are you seeing us move forward with that in higher education? So as in most environments, there's a lot of politics in higher ed. And there's a lot of, of uh, you know, for a, for a while, you know, years ago, I think it's getting better. But for a while, WordPress, you know, from my experience, definitely had some issues in higher ed with uh, the way that IT viewed it. And a lot of it stemmed around security. And from my experience, the reason for that is what would happen is a lot of is people on campus would set up a WordPress install and then set up their site and then never touch it. And so, and then because no one was monitoring it and no one was kind of, hey, you know, checking out this website, there was no central kind of way to like a, like a managed dashboard or something like that. Uh, two, three years later it goes by and the site gets hacked. Uh, and so shocker, everyone's surprised, but that happened over and over again. And then uh, WordPress got a stigma in, in higher ed IT that it wasn't secure. And so I see that attitude changing a little bit as, um, as people get a little bit smarter with how they set it up and integrate it. But you do have to have buy-in, and which is a whole other conversation. Um, uh, I'm a big proponent of web governance, and um, you need to have some kind of governance at your school in order to say, like, hey, we're going to use WordPress and things like that. And that's, that's definitely an interesting struggle. It's worth it. It's, um, you go, when you find the schools that are doing it right, you're just like, yes. Um, but, uh, uh, I would, I say that attitude is changing a little bit, but that also varies from school to school. And if it's a, it's definitely worth having a conversation with IT and with whoever you need to have it with and just sit down with them and talk with them. Um, push come to shove, try to find some, um, allies on campus that can go with you. Uh, if you um, if you have web governance, talk to the governing committees, things like that. Um, there are channels, and um, you may have to put in a little bit of effort, but I think it's worth it and worth it in the end. Uh, but yeah, definitely, um, there's politics come into play when it comes to setting up some of this stuff. Right, and and fairly to the IT people. Um, if a site is just abandoned, there really is a security issue. It's not that WordPress quote is insecure, but it, you know, if it's, you've got something abandoned out there, we definitely, I, I can see their concerns for that. Have you seen any, because you mentioned some schools doing it better than other. Are there any specific systems or practices that you've seen that have worked really well to allow the IT department to kind of keep track of making sure these sites are updated and they're not abandoned somewhere so that, you know, now you've got some email spam campaign launching off of them and, and it looks bad for the university's IP or gets it blacklisted even worse. I think there are a, a variety of methods um, to come to mind quickly. Uh, multi-site is one because it does allow you to set up um, a plethora of websites that all run off the same core. So as long as you update the core, 
you're pretty good. Uh, you know, there are obviously some problems that come from that management problems in the sense of um, you do break anything, you've broken all your sites in one place, <laughs> things like that to, to think about. But a lot of universities use them, uh, they, use, they use multiple sets of them and they'll use them for blog publishing platforms, like, a, like for faculty. So like if you're a faculty on campus and you want to blog, then you fill out a form, you get added to, their, to this multi-site network, and that way everyone has access to the same probably two or three themes. Um, all the plugins are pre-approved. It creates a very secure, very easy to control environment that makes sure that all the sites can be audited very easily, they can be kept up to date, um, things like that. Uh, another way to do it is to have separate sites, but definitely have some kind of um, system set in place to manage them all. And there are different ways to do that, and some of them can be technical. Um, there are services out there that already exist. Um, I don't know how many of them are really used in higher ed, but there are things like, I believe, like Manage WP, stuff like that, that allows you to kind of keep audit of your WordPress sites and the data and what plugins are on them and what level, what version core is at. Um, there are a variety of ways to handle that and even ones that you can build your own. And that way, if you take this approach where in order to have a site on campus, you have to, you know, fill out this form, there's a process. And that's kind of where governance comes into play too to help you with that. There's a process for everything. You fill out a form, you get a website. You know, maybe once a year, all the sites are audited. You're contacted to make sure you're still the owner of the site. Um, and if you're not, can we take it down? Things like that. Like there's a process that you can go through that to kind of help reinforce um, uh, uh, these problems and make sure that all of your websites stay healthy. And so the problem, you know, in olden times um, that would come up and why these sites would be abandoned and hacked and things like that is because those places didn't have any kind of system set in place. They would just kind of set up web WordPress sites willy-nilly. There was no log. There was no management. There was nothing. And, and then, shocker, sites were forgotten about. And so there's a way to do it, and it's not that difficult. And so what just happens is that people have to be a little foresighted about it, come up with a plan, and just carry it out. Excellent. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to see it getting bigger you know, within the education space as a whole, not just um, uh, higher ed, but you know, education as a whole, it excites me because I know that, uh, you know, I've had people approach me and say, you know, my, my college just says absolutely not. It can't do what we need it to do. Like, they're not looking. They're not looking at it if they say that. <laughs> so, excellent. Thank you for sharing. I will turn it back to my uh, host, Jonathan. Yeah, I think um, we're going to wrap it up now for the actual podcast part of the show, folks. We'll be continuing the discussion with, um, with Rachel, which you'll be able to see on the website with a full transcription of the interview and all the most uh, relevant links um, that came up during the show. Um, um, also, um, you'll be able to watch the interview and the bonus part um, after the audio um, recording on our YouTube channel, which has um, over 200 of our interviews and our roundtable shows, which we have on Fridays at 9am, which you can see on the Facebook, um, the WP Tonic um, Facebook page as well, if you want to see all the interviews as well. 
So, Rachel, how can people get hold of you and learn some more about what you're doing? So I'm usually pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Bama Designer, which is pretty much my handle for all social media. <laughs> Um, my website is bamadesigner.com, where you can find some more links about me and things like that. WPCampus.org is where you can go to find out about our community and to get involved. And, uh, yeah, that, that should take care of it. And, Kim, how can people find out more about <clears throat> what, what you've been writing, what you've been up to lately? You can find out about all my programs at kimshivler.com. You can find me on Twitter at kimshivler. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, go to the WP Tonic website. We're going to have some great new content this year, um, especially around learning management, how to set up a membership site. We've got big plans for content. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood, or you can go to our Facebook page and our group um, and join the conversations there. We're going to end the um, podcast part of the show. Join us next um, week where we're going to have another great WordPress guest. We've got some great guests this month and in February. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.